Welcome to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate each and every person who listens to this program and passes along some of the information, expertise, and inspiration we try to provide you each week. And we hope that There is a Season is perhaps a little more than just a nice hour of programming to fill the day. Our goal is to help you get the most out of your life and relationships no matter which season you're going through. Since not all of our shows are live in the studio, but because we still want to hear your comments and questions for our various topics on There is a Season, we invite you to reach us through email if you can. Just send your thoughts to Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. So it would seem that this month is just chock full of official stuff. You mean like holidays? Well, there's those, right? We've got President's Day. We've got Martin Luther King Day. It's Black History Month. And of course, don't want to forget this, Valentine's Day is coming up. But did you know it's the National Children's Dental Health Month? Did you know that, Gloria? I did not. You did not. Did you also know that it's the Spay and Neuter Awareness Month? Uh, no. <laughs> you got to stay up. Cal- I knew it was Black History Month. It's you, all over the news. You've got to get your calendar all up to date. And, and here's another one, too, that I didn't know about. It's Boost Your Self-Esteem Month. Oh, well, that's important for all of us, isn't it? To right. boost our self-esteem. You, you do it every time we do the program here. Afterwards, you have to boost my self-esteem. Right? I do indeed. Yes. That's true. The Boost Up Bob half hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of those, Bob, are very important. But, you know, there is one awareness month listing that we have talked about here before because it highlights a disease, which even in the age of COVID-19 is still far and away the number one deadliest disease in the world. And it has been for years. And that's why today we're talking about American Heart Month. Yes, indeed. And it's no joke that it's the world's deadliest disease if you look up the statistics on this. And so that's why we bring heart disease and also heart health into focus today on the program. So heart.org, which is the website for the American Heart Association, uh, put out an interesting article. It's titled, The U.S. Commemorates the 57th Consecutive American Heart Month This Month. And it goes like this. So yes, we've, we've said it's February, American Heart Month, a time when the nation spotlights heart disease, which, Bob, is the number one killer of Americans. Hard to believe, isn't it? No, it's uh, a lot of people don't think so, but, but it is. Right. President Lyndon B. Johnson, among the millions of people in the country who'd had heart attacks, issued the first proclamation in 1964. Since then, U.S. presidents have annually declared February American Heart Month. Throughout the month, the American Heart Association's Heart to Heart, Why Losing One Woman is Too Many campaign will raise awareness about how one in three women are diagnosed with heart disease annually. And it's interesting because uh, a lot of people think traditionally this has been a man's disease, right? But more and more women suffer from heart conditions and heart problems. Yeah, and and women often don't really think that they can have a heart attack, nor at young ages, which so many women do. Also, during the COVID-19 pandemic, many people have delayed or avoided going to hospitals for heart attacks and strokes. You can see why they might be apprehensive about that, right? Well, that's netted them poorer outcomes, and it's prompted the American Heart Association to create another campaign that says, Don't Die of Doubt. 
a national campaign that reminds people that hospitals are the safest place to go when you have symptoms. And while in lockdown, more people have engaged in unhealthy lifestyle behaviors such as eating poorly, drinking more alcohol, and limiting physical activity that can contribute to heart disease. Meanwhile, heart disease continues to be the greatest health threat to Americans, and it, like I said, it's still that leading cause of death worldwide, according to the American Heart Association's Heart Disease and Stroke Statistics, which was updated just the, earlier this year in 2021. The update, published in the association's flagship journal, Circulation, reports that nearly 18.6 million people across the globe died of cardiovascular disease in 2019, the latest year for which worldwide statistics are calculated. That's a 17.1% increase just over the last decade, and 523 million cases of cardiovascular disease were reported in 2019. A 20, almost a 27% increase over 2010. And we just stop there for just a second. There's been so much here in this last year, naturally, about COVID, right? COVID-19. But if you look at the top diseases of the world, despite this being the number one by far, there's still a little bit of a resistance, I think, in the culture. Because people, a lot of times, if they don't have heart disease in their family, they don't have a history of it, tend to kind of push it off in the distance and say, I can keep going along, living the way I'm living, eating what I am, carrying the kind of weight I am, doing a lot of the riskier behaviors, and they really don't take that to heart. Whereas something like COVID comes along like a freight train and everybody's panicked about it. Well, and heart disease is on the news 24-7, right? Like COVID. And it's one of those things, yeah, you're just going along, eating what you want to eat, maybe sitting or being physically inactive. And you really don't know all that time, you know, maybe your arteries are clogging up. You're just, you know, your heart is a muscle, just like any other muscle. And if you don't use it, it's going to become deconditioned, which then puts you at more risk of heart issues. And it's it's not like, uh, I'm not playing a game with this or anything, but I, I have a feeling if you told most people, or if you asked most people, cancer or heart disease, they would be more afraid of cancer. That word has always seemed to have that panic that, oh my goodness, it's got to be terminal and, and, and right. what in the world do I do now? Right. And, and it's not, I'm not minimizing cancer at all. There's all kinds of cancers, right? You know this well, right. but compared to heart disease, statistically, it's much, much smaller. Yeah. Heart disease is still killing more people than cancer does. And that that's unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, really. So during American Heart Month, the American Heart Association and other organizations reinforce the importance of heart health, the need for more research and efforts to ensure that millions of people do live longer and healthier. Okay, Gloria, so we've talked a little bit about some of these global statistics, you know, the 18 million people and all of this kind of thing. Let's boil this down a little bit closer to home here in America. If you're listening to this program or you've come across any information about heart disease, uh, naturally, the question is, am I at risk? You know, what am I doing? So can we talk a little bit about the risks of heart disease? Yeah. So Bob, everyone is really at risk for heart disease, but you are at higher risk for heart disease if you say have high cholesterol or high blood pressure. You know, we need to have our cholesterol checked. That is something that unless you go to your physician and maybe have a physical, that's not something that you normally think about on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, it's not like you're feeling sick. 
you don't feel like you have high cholesterol. And some doctors will do a, a lipid panel on you. Uh, sometimes if, if you say, I need to get my glucose checked or something, they may only do that or they may only check for a particular thing. So it's one of those things that you might have to ask for if you want a full you know, range of, of Yeah, and they you know, usually do test. it at you know, different um, times, you know, to say once a year, once every three years, depending on what your numbers are after you've had it checked. Chances are you're going to get high blood pressure checked frequently because almost any office you go into, they put the, the cuff right. on your it's arm. Right, like the right first away. thing they do, right? So you're out also at increased risk if you smoke. About half of Americans, Bob, 47% have at least one of these three risk factors. That's the high cholesterol, the high right. blood pressure, or smoking. If you smoke, that's right. Now, what else? So some other reasons that you could and very well be at risk for heart disease are if you're overweight or obese. You know, there's these little calculators online and you can enter in your um, height and your weight, and there's this little formula. It's very and, mathematical. And, and let me just tell you right up front, okay? <laughs> I don't care where you are on the scale, all right? There's, you know, the, the target range, and you might think, well, that's ridiculous. That's way too low. And then there's the borderline obese, and then there's the obese, and then there's the morbidly obese. Let's just figure, no matter where you are, that lower is better, okay? Right. Generally. Yeah. And, and, and let's also just point out that Many of you might be shocked to find out what it states about your BMI. You may think, oh, I'm, I'm fine. I might be a little plump around the middle. And then, <laughs> and then the BMI little thing online says, you're overweight or worse. You're yeah. right on the cusp of being obese and you're looking right. in the mirror going, uh, what? Yeah. No. <laughs> so it's important that, you know, you, you watch your weight. Okay. So another risk factor would be not getting enough physical activity. All right, not being sedentary. If you are, you're at risk. What else, Bob? Well, obviously, if you're not eating a healthy diet, and this particularly affects people with diabetes uh, who have you know, got to watch sugar intake in all forms, uh, you know, high glycemic foods and so forth, uh, excessive alcohol use, which has been a little bit more of a problem here in the COVID-19 era, and we're going to talk about that more in the next segment. Uh, that can also be something that really affects your diet and in turn affects heart disease. Right. So there's some other risk factors that you can't really change, and that would be your age and family history. Your risk is higher if you are a woman over the age of 55. So ergo, that's why they're doing the campaign here. Right. You're a man, believe it or not, over the age of 45. That's pretty young. Your father or your brother had heart disease before age 55, or if your mother or sister had heart disease before age 65. Considering how much longer or how, how how old people are living now, okay, think about the percentage of the population that's over 45 or 55 or even 65 now. So this can affect quite a few people who, even if they're not having a heart emergency or heart event, are still in danger of that. Yes, and, and underlying heart disease. You got to make some uh, some adjustments perhaps, or you have to make some evaluation about how scary any of this is for you and the people in your life. Now, there are some warning signs and symptoms, and you can find a lot of this online, but we're going to share a few of them with you uh, right now. Yeah, and because about 47% of sudden cardiac deaths occur outside a hospital. So this suggests that many people with heart disease do not act early on the warning signs. And those warning signs are chest pain or discomfort, upper body pain or discomfort in the arms, back, neck, jaw, or upper stomach, shortness of breath, nausea, lightheadedness, or cold sweats. And I know for women, another one would be severe or different fatigue, you know, for a few days. Just feeling really fatigued could be a warning sign for women particularly. 
Now, in going through this whole list of, of risks and warning signs and symptoms and so forth, you notice I mentioned alcohol in there and said we'd talk about that a little bit more on the other side here, because there have been people who have been drinking a little bit more and are going to justify it no matter what. But we're going to talk uh, a little bit more in depth about why alcohol can affect the health of your heart. We're also going to talk about the dangers of cold weather and shoveling snow. All of that is ahead on the program. Thanks for being with us this morning. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There's a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We're talking today about your heart. And I don't mean in the Valentine's sense, okay? We're talking about heart disease and heart health. We've talked a little bit already about statistics risks, warning signs, and we've got a lot more still ahead for you. But one of the things that came up in our list of risks was a dietary thing, and it had to do with alcohol. And a lot of people kind of wonder, you know, that a lot of people will justify alcohol no matter what. And certainly during COVID-19, there's been an increase in consumption of alcohol, but there is a connection. And though we're not doctors here, we're going to share with you some of the why. Why is there a concern about alcohol and heart health? So many people know that drinking alcohol too often or to excess is not a good idea, right? Health-wise. But there are other things that you need to know about alcohol and the impact that it can have on your heart. So we chatted with cardiologist Leslie Cho. This is coming from the Cleveland Clinic to learn more. And this is what she had to say. The fact is, is that the health risks of drinking alcohol can vary widely from person to person. Certain health conditions can make drinking alcohol more dangerous, according to Dr. Cho. For example, some people who are on cholesterol-lowering medicines may experience muscle aches when they drink alcohol. And because alcohol and cholesterol medicine both are processed through the liver, they are, in a sense, she says, competing with each other for clearance. So it's important to think about your overall health and talk to your doctor about your personal risk factors. That's interesting to think about that. So a lot of people who are on these statin drugs, right, these Lipitor and other kinds of uh, generics and so mm-hmm. forth, are already trying to combat their cholesterol. But because of the function of the liver here, you've got two things really working on the liver. To clear it, yes. Yeah, to get that out that, of your body. Right. It's also true that alcohol is made out of sugar. So if you're predisposed to being diabetic or if you've got an issue with high triglycerides, it's probably not a good idea to drink alcohol. So Dr. Cho warns that if you have any kind of liver dysfunction or take other medicines that are processed through the liver, your risks would go up. So you need to talk to your healthcare provider about how alcohol might affect you and the medicines that you're on. Now, here's another little thing people talk about all the time. Right. So we all try to justify our alcohol consumption, right, through this fact. In our our type of... Right. So here's the fact. Red wine is a better choice than hard liquor. But, she says, avoiding alcohol is best. There's some evidence that drinking the occasional glass of red wine may be good for your heart, either by preventing heart disease or lowering your risk of heart disease. But it's not a good idea to start drinking alcohol in an effort, really, to lower your risk of heart disease, she says. It's better not to drink any alcohol at all. 
Yeah, no, so, and some people are going to react to that and say, oh, come on, you know, we're not all going to be teetotalers. And, yeah. and I know that there are, have been people who will take out a glass of red wine and they'll say, taking care of my heart, you know? Right, right. And, you know, Bob, real quick, there was another one where taking um, or having a glass of red wine, they say, was just as good as like an hour and a half at the gym or something, some workout. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people were saying, I'm not going to the gym. Right? Exactly. So another fact is that age plays a factor in how well you tolerate alcohol. Many people have the ability to develop a tolerance to alcohol over time. But this ability, Dr. Cho says, doesn't last forever. If you've built up tolerance to alcohol, you can probably consume more than someone who is just starting to drink. However, this does change as you age. She says, as we get older, our ability to clear alcohol definitely decreases and our sensitivity to alcohol probably increases. Also, as we get older, we end up having more diseases, so we could be on medicines that interfere with the way our bodies metabolize the alcohol. The Cleveland Clinic also reports that overindulging in alcohol can result in an irregular heartbeat. So while some alcohol in moderation is okay for a lot of people, it's important to be aware if you fall uh, victim to any kind of, you know, let's say you don't drink a lot, you suddenly drink around the holidays, right? Uh, or you overeat also, those kinds of things can create an irregular heartbeat. So there are some things that are actually scientific here that, that talk about the effect of alcohol on your heart. It just seemed appropriate to talk about this when or a certain number of people are drinking a little bit more during the COVID era. We've got a lot more ahead for you, including discussion about the dangers of cold weather, literally cold air, which we're going to have a lot of here soon, and also shoveling snow. Plus, we've got other kinds of information to share with you about how you can lessen your risk of heart disease. We'll be right back after the news. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. And we're talking today about your heart, heart disease, heart health, all the things you might need to know about taking care of your heart because it is the American Heart Association's Awareness Month for that. We're trying to cover as much as we can here in the short time we have with you. So we've talked about some statistics and some risks and warning signs and so forth. And we've still got all kinds of information to share with you about how you can lessen your risk of heart disease. But first, you know how cold it's been, right, Gloria? Mm. And how cold it's going to get. But did you know that aside from being uncomfortable... Cold weather, literally cold air, can have a profound effect on your heart, as can something else you do in cold weather, which is shoveling snow. Yes, Bob, no pun intended, but here is a chilling fact. Every 40 seconds, someone in the United States has a heart attack, according to the American Heart Association. Although the life-threatening event can sometimes be random, a study presented in August 2017 at the European Society of Cardiology Congress found that the average number of heart attacks per day was significantly higher during colder versus warmer temperatures. So your heart needs oxygen-rich blood to function. A heart attack happens when a buildup of plaque, which is a mix of fat, cholesterol, and other substances, in your arteries breaks free. A blood clot forms around the plaque to either completely block or restrict blood flow to your heart and freezing weather can ignite this painful process. 
Now there's a connection between your ticker and these sub-zero temps. Cold weather, especially a very rapid change in the weather, is more likely to cause your blood vessels to constrict. So if you have narrowing of the blood vessels already because of underlying heart disease and your blood vessels are constricted further, it restricts the amount of blood that's getting to vital organs, says Lawrence Phillips, who is a doctor and cardiologist and assistant professor of medicine at NYU Langone in New York City. In other words, cold weather can make heart attack more likely to happen. Now, instead of triggering a full-blown heart attack, cold weather can also just minimize blood flow to the heart, causing chest pain. People know this is angina, which is a symptom of coronary artery disease. This is the main form of of, uh, heart disease, a disorder of the blood vessels of the heart that can lead to a heart attack. And in addition to coronary artery disease, cold weather can put a strain on your heart and circulatory system, affecting other forms of cardiovascular disease too. If you have a diagnosis of heart failure or advanced valve disease, you have to be very careful when the weather changes to the colder side as well, according to Dr. Phillips. Moreover, research presented in August of 2015 at the European Society of Cardiology Congress in London showed that cold weather may also increase the risk of ischemic stroke in patients with atrial fibrillation, a heart rhythm disorder. Ischemic stroke, the most common type of stroke, occurs when ruptured arterial plaque causes a blood clot to block a blood vessel to the brain, cutting off its much-needed blood and oxygen supply. So sudden bouts of energetic activity, such as rushing around to get out of the cold or shoveling snow, which we'll talk about in a moment, in combination with chilly temperatures can put additional strain on the blood vessels that feed your heart or brain. This puts you at greater risk of having a cardiovascular event, especially if you're usually sedentary, which is a lot of us. Symptoms of a heart attack can include, as we said before, uncomfortable pressure, squeezing, fullness, or pain in your chest, or other areas of your body, as well as shortness of breath. Uh, Stroke symptoms to watch out for include facial drooping, especially on one side, arm weakness, and difficulty speaking. So there are some things that we can report that are good news, Bob. If you're an average healthy person, the cold weather won't increase your risk of a cardiovascular event such as a heart attack, stroke, or even angina. The trouble is you can have underlying coronary artery disease, those clogged arteries, otherwise known as atherosclerosis, that are the underpinnings of a heart attack and stroke, and you don't even know it. Cardiovascular disease doesn't always have signs or symptoms, so you might not even know you have it until you have that heart attack or stroke. So there are some things you can do to reduce your risk of heart attack and stroke, especially in cold weather. And we'll go through these just very briefly. One is to get a checkup. Let's find out where you are relative to this whole issue of your heart. Do you have a real understanding of your body? Have you been to the doctor in a while? It doesn't hurt to get in there and, and check yourself out, find out about your cholesterol and whether you have high blood pressure and so forth. What else can you do? Another thing that you should and can do is just cover your mouth. If you have heart disease or any type of heart failure or any kind of valve disease, they say cover your nose and mouth with a scarf before going outside. That'll allow the air to naturally get warm before it comes into your body. And then it won't be such a shock. You should obviously also bundle up. Uh, to avoid getting too cold, which may increase the risk of a heart attack. Uh, you you want to wear a hat, gloves, and, and multiple layers. Obviously, when you're when you're doing things like shoveling, which we'll talk again, as I said, in just a moment, uh, you start to heat up, but you can very quickly get cold right after you've taken a break. And that's something to be aware of. And also stay hydrated. That's a really big one too that they point out, right? So another thing, make sure you know your body. 
If you notice any of these heart-related symptoms, such as the chest pain or shortness of breath, the fluttering in your chest, just go and see your doctor. If something feels different than normal, don't ignore it. They also suggest here to get a flu shot. I don't know how many people have gone and done that this year. Obviously, we've got a a different uh, realm of things to think about with COVID-19, but get a flu shot. It can also reduce your risk of heart events. Now, we talked a little bit about snow shoveling, so let's talk about some of the research on that. Okay, so cardiologist Barry Franklin, who's an expert in the hazardous effects of snow removal. Who knew that there was an expert in that, right, Bob? (laughs) PhD for everything, right? (laughs) Right. So he believes that the number of deaths could be double of what we've reported. He believes we lose hundreds of people each year because of snow shoveling activity. We already pointed out the numbers that they're increased during colder months, right? So his team found that when healthy men shoveled snow, their heart rate and blood pressure increased more than when they exercised on a treadmill. He says, combine this with cold air, which causes arteries to constrict and decrease your blood supply, you have a perfect storm for our heart attack. Snow shoveling is particularly strenuous because it uses arm work, which is more taxing than leg work. Who knew? I didn't know that. Straining to move and lift heavy snow is particularly likely to cause a surge in heart rate and blood pressure. Many people hold their breath during hard work, too. You know, when you're grunting and you're lifting, especially wet snow. Yeah. That also puts an additional strain on the body. In addition, the prime time for snow clearance is between 6 a.m. in the morning and 10 a.m., right? People have got to get out, get to work, get the cars rolling. And this is when a lot of times circadian fluctuations make us more vulnerable to heart attacks. Dr. Franklin considers snow shoveling to be so dangerous that he advises anyone over the age of 55 to simply not do it. Well, Bob, there you go. You can tell your wife that you no longer are allowed to snow shovel. So my claims of being 39 aren't going to work anymore, 49 or whatever I lie about. No, I guess not. Now, you have a legit claim now, right? All right. But people are really at greatest risk that are habitually sedentary with known or suspected coronary disease who only go out once a year to clear snow, adding that smoking and being overweight drastically increase this risk that he's talking about. So if you must do it, push rather than lift the snow, dress in layers, take those regular breaks indoors, And don't eat or smoke before shoveling. So there you have it. Some of the information about cold air and shoveling, which is going to be relevant here perhaps in the next several days, maybe even the next several weeks. Good things to think about, though, if you are concerned about heart health. Let's pivot a little bit now and talk about some positive things you can do to help prevent heart disease. Although you might know that eating certain foods can increase your heart disease risk, it's often tough to change your eating habits. Whether you have years of unhealthy eating under your belt or you simply want to fine-tune your diet. That's me. (laughs) Definitely want to fine-tune it. Well, good, Bob, because here are eight heart-healthy diet tips that come straight from the top docs at Mayo Clinic. Once you know which foods to eat more of and which foods to limit, Bob, you'll be on your way toward a heart-healthy diet. So one of the first things that I'm sometimes reminded of, sometimes, is to control portion size. Yeah. And that includes, I suppose, you know, going back for seconds and things like that's that. That's right. We want to control our portion sizes. We also, Bob, want to eat more fruits and vegetables. I hear that from the doctor every time. She always asks the question. She says, well, how many do you have? And I come up with some number and then she holds up five or, or some number. It's actually of up to nine. Nine. Okay. Nine. There you go. So you're, you're oh, way behind really. the curve already, Bob. <laughs> I think I get nine in a week at least. 
<laughs> so that's obviously okay, so more important. Okay, so another thing that's heart healthy would be to always select the whole grains. So pretty much if it's white and it doesn't say it's been enhanced in some high fiber way, it's not Ditch a good it. one. Right, throw whole it out. Whole grains, So everything. the Wonder Bread that you grew up on as a kid, just mm, throw it out. It's not so wonderful yeah. Yeah, for yeah. your diet. Another thing, Bob, would be to limit your unhealthy fats, which means saturated fats and trans fats. What's good? What's bad? Saturated fats aren't great, so you need to limit those to no more than 5 to 6% of your total daily calories. Trans fat, avoid trans fats. That's a big one. They're not good for you. So this would mean actually looking at things like ingredients, you know, actually picking up the package. It'll actually and- be in the nutritional content on the product you buy, the trans fat, and it should say zero if you're to eat it. And if you're not a calorie counter, if you're not going to get into grams and measure things out, at least you can be careful about certain categories of food. So if you can identify them, and there are lists out there for this, you can help to start picking certain things out and say, all right, I'm going to forego that. At least most of the time, I'm going to forego that. So watching which kinds of fats you take into your body. What else now? Right. So you want to choose low-fat protein sources. So there's proteins to choose and proteins to limit or avoid. Another thing that we need to do would be to reduce the sodium in our food. That's really tricky because there's a lot of it in all kinds of snack foods and it's also built in as as it's sugar into all kinds of things. So if you're concerned about your heart uh, and diabetes and other related things, you've got to watch your salt intake and you got to watch your sugar. What else is on here? So plan ahead. I mean, that's a really great way to start eating healthy. Create daily menus and then that way you're keeping track. You know, you're seeing what you're going to be eating. You're seeing maybe the nutritional values for everything and the meals that you're going to eat. And then don't forget, allow yourself an occasional treat. Daily. Daily. Hourly. No. no. I don't know that occasional means daily, (laughs) but you don't have to completely stop you know, eating something that you really love, like a so, big juicy steak, but you really do need to you, limit you those types of foods. You can't snack like you do in the Christmas season, where there's some, a box of candy or something open. It's so easy just to take one as you go by. Well, you can, but then what you need to do is get back on track and exercise it off. Well, we've got more for you too, including some things that are a little different than what this list we just gave you here. So when we come back, we'll talk a little about some other things you can do to keep your heart healthy this season and all your life long. And you're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There's a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We've been talking today about your heart, talking about heart health, also heart disease, unfortunately. We've got some other programs coming your way here in the next several weeks. We're going to be talking about the science and art of critical thinking and ethics. Are these things even being taught anymore? And we'll also be talking on a future program here about the melting pot, like we learned about back in school. Are we a melting pot or are we a collection of soon-to-be warring tribes? What does the future hold for all of us? So in the time we have remaining here, we had talked about a lot of dietary things, but we also realized there are some other things you can do, which people might not think about that have a relation to your heart. Yeah. So you need to practice good dental hygiene, especially flossing your teeth daily, something that I don't do. 
Um, believe it or not, dental health is a good indication of overall health, including your heart. So floss those teeth. Another one would be to get enough sleep. It's an essential part of keeping your heart healthy. And if you don't sleep enough, you may be at higher risk for cardiovascular disease, no matter your age or other health habits. And key to getting good sleep is to get regular sleep. You know, the, that's the thing. I mean, there I know some people who sleep a lot, but they're sleeping at weird times and sleeping into the day or, you know, staying up at night and so forth. I mean, a lot of young people get into some of these habits, but they can also stay with you your whole life. So regular sleep is key. Yes, definitely. And don't sit for too long. Research has suggested that staying seated for long periods of time is bad for your health no matter how much exercise that you do. Well, there's and there's a lot of reasons. We don't have time to get into all of them here today, but your circulation suffers from that a lot. It tends to also create basically abdominal fat for a lot of guys, a lot of fat in the hips and the thighs for women. It puts on additional weight because you're not moving, you're not exercising those muscles. That's truly what being sedentary is. And as much as people like their lazy boy for watching you know, TV and so forth, look what happens when you sit in that for a couple hours and you try to get up later on. And one more thing that's really important to point out, and especially for you know maybe older folks who do sit a ladder or sit in the recliner and watch TV most of the day, you are at increased risk for a deep vein thrombosis, which is a blood clot in the legs. So it's important to get up and move around. Now, we've got some uh, websites we can point you to here if you'd like to get some more of this information from the Heart Association, heart.org is a great one, has a lot of these different articles on here. And we've mentioned here... Cleveland Clinic, and that would be just clevelandclinic.org. And you can look up the five things to do every day to keep your heart uh, healthy. We also mentioned uh, earlier in the program, avoid secondhand smoke. Avoid smoking, but also avoid secondhand smoke. Right. Which is kind of tricky for some people if you live with a smoker. Right. And you can also look up the eight heart healthy diet tips at mayoclinic.com. So uh, that'll do it for us today. If you like what you hear here on the program or you had some questions, again, the email is Bob and Gloria at there is a season show.com or just check out our handy dandy in touch tab on our website. Remember, dear friends, to seek grace in every step, live with purpose, make this and every day count and never regret growing older because it is a privilege denied to many. For my dear friend, Gloria Shanahan and everyone who makes the show possible, thank you for your time, attention and interest to what we do here. You've been listening to There Is a Season on AM 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley Radio Station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.